night and day. There's only one moment, and I was in um, Nando's with a friend of mine, and just a sharp pain. Like you may as well got a ten-inch knife and just shoved it straight into the lower left side of my abdomen. Yeah. And um, yeah, massive, massive, massive pains. Of course, not knowing what to do. Didn't really tell anyone about it. Thought it would subside. Excuse me. And um, yeah, a couple of days later, man, I was on the toilet shitting blood 20 times a day. So it was... What is up, everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel, and this is the Open Up Podcast, the show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. What is up fam? This is a conversation I'm pretty damn excited about uh, with Mitchell Vicarage. He's super knowledgeable. He's got so much wisdom and when it comes to the body, so far his knowledge, his ability to articulate what he knows in a way that people like us can grasp is unparalleled and I'm just so super thankful, super grateful that he could be a part of this and be part of episode 29 of the Open Up podcast to spread his knowledge and to spread what he's learned from his struggles. I think you're really going to like this. We touch on nutrition, obviously, because he was a bodybuilder who got sick and then, like he said, goes to skeletal mode. So pretty much a skeleton. And this dude was huge. He was huge. So we talk about nutrition, how he's learnt how to develop his nutrition, his eating to suit a healthy, optimal uh, functioning body, uh, we talk about ego, we talk about relinquishing that, we talk about plant medicine, we talk about a whole lot of other stuff, I think you're really going to like this guys, let me know what you think of it, and if you haven't already, go follow the Open Up Facebook page, that's Open Up Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram page, which is the same damn thing, so it'll purely be the podcast posts, written content from what I've learnt, or whatever Open Up is doing at the time. Yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Sweet, good to go. Good to go, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, everyone, to the Open Up podcast, episode number 29 with Mitch Vicarage, who's here to tell us a little bit about a story about um, some of the physical ailments he's faced um, over the last couple of years. Oh, you go upwards of seven plus, but yeah. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Man, that's a long time to have to deal with that sort of stuff, oh, yeah. especially the sort of person you were beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I just want to say that I'm super grateful that you actually took the time to do this. I'm grateful you're here, man. Yeah. And uh, I'm super grateful to sit across from you knowing how articulate you are now. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'm sorry, guys. I assumed that he was just a bodybuilder. <laughs> just a stereotypical bodybuilder. Beautiful. I like <laughs> he's not. He's not. <laughs> he's a star child. Um, with most of these stories, we start with childhood. Just run through like a quick summary or overview. Yep. Um, what you've been through, what the family dynamic was like, um, and whether you felt love or not during yep. that period. Man, it's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Western kid, you know, uh, great childhood, grew up with your 90s stuff. That was your cheese TVs, your Dragon Ball Zs. Uh, typical Westerner school, um, you know, we weren't multi-millionaires by any means. Um, still all hand-me-downs and all that kind of stuff. And But otherwise, in a nutshell, 
great um, um, early family life for sure. Um, we took the yearly holidays, great mum and dad, they did everything, especially mum, she bent up her backwards in her feminine way. Awesome. Dad did the providing, um, the best he knew how to. Um, a little bit of a family breakdown, you know, parents eventually got divor- divorced, um, which just seems to be a common thing these days. Um, but at that age, when you're 12, 13, it's kind of, you know, you can see it coming, you're able to understand those things a lot better. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't say any had a major impact on my life, yep. um, just disappointing nonetheless. Um, did I feel love? Yeah, absolutely. Unconditional love that you'd get from your mother and father. Um, a stern father to make sure you're not, you know, yep. messing about. <laughs> um, and a mother that just, you know, would give, 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 give. And, you know, looking back now, I almost think she gave too much because she would never give enough to herself. So um, it's kind of a duty now I feel as an adult to give back. That's um, awesome. As, yeah, I can't remember the last time she even bought herself a dress, let alone did something for herself. So, yeah, mum and dad, beautiful people in their own right, did their best and uh, grateful to be alive thanks to them. Yeah. yeah, well, it sounds like they raised you really well, and she sounds like a, a beautiful, absolutely beautiful lady. Brilliant. Yeah, and two brothers, of course, to mention that, you know, <laughs> we like to beat up and play WWE wrestling into the pool and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a great childhood, man. Lots of love. Are you the oldest? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you know. get beaten up a lot? Uh, well, I mean, I was a gymnast, so I had some size on me. We used to do some wrestling, and so I feel like by the time I got a little bit older, there was a bit of, you know, good competition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to be thrown around like, you know, some DDTs and stuff over the shoulder into the pool and just got messed about, but it was good fun. Yeah, them's the breaks. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, man, if you're comfortable just diving right in, do you yep. mind sharing Balls deep, so sharing your story? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I mentioned the gymnastics. That was, you know, that's in my blood. Um, I think as primates ourselves, there's something about gymnastics, about doing primal movements that kind of sets you up for everything else. Uh, so if there's a parent out there, get your, 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 you know, your sons and daughters into gymnastics. So if you think of having a kid, get them prepared for gymnastics. It'll transfer into everything else. And that's, that's both physically and other sports. You know, I eventually went to rugby and swimming and athletics and all that kind of stuff. And that just laid the foundation yep. in terms of all the components of fitness and, you know, dexterity of the hands and eye-hand coordination, all that kind of stuff. It really helped. Um, so, yeah, high school was more or less a, a big part of like rugby. And like I said, all the athletic stuff and um, having two older brothers, they played a lot of rugby. And um, they had their gym memberships, and I thought, you know, watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z and seeing big muscular guys. Um, not that my father was that kind of father figure. I kind of looked elsewhere to that. So seeing that and being that, you know, young minds are very impressionable. Um, of course, I wanted to be a Goku number two. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was about the age of 14, I was in my first job flipping burgers at Mickey D's. Nice. Saved enough money for a gym membership. And um, remember, I signed up for the Warehouse Fitness Center, which is in South Fremantle. Uh, in Perth, Western Australia, and uh, just seeing just the most enormous human being I've seen in my life squatting. His name's Louis Maciel. Um, he's an ex-Mr. Australia bodybuilder. And I think he was squatting some like 260 kilos for reps like it was fucking nothing. <laughs> so it was just kind of jaw hits the ground, bruises and breaks, and it's just like fucking sign me up right there and then. So that started the whole bodybuilding thing. Um, and of course, when you're bodybuilding, you just protein, 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 lift heavy weights, do heavy shit. Um, of course, there was a drug side involved to that. Um, and it was carrying on that side of being as, you know, big and as muscular as possible. Not so much for vanity reasons. Like I just literally loved bodybuilding. Um, you know, if it wasn't bodybuilding, I'd tell people it would have been fucking golf or tennis or something, right? Yeah. It was that's, just, you know. That's not too common for people, especially. Yeah, I think in this day and age, it's like, very uncommon. I think most people do get into bodybuilding as a result of An putting on size. Or, yeah. yeah, or might, you know, you just want to look good for the chicks, which is fair enough. You know, everyone looks physically fit, but yeah. I think the obsession starts 
then when it's purely becomes focused about how do I look and I've got to get my protein if I don't I'm going to become catabolic and I've got to look good for this chick and I've got to, you know it just becomes really a negative guilty um, yeah <laughs> well, aren't we all at times but you know it really did stem from that that just that love so um, I think that's what set it up but nonetheless there was still such a competitive component to it and anything in life that's majorly competitive is not healthy even if it's gymnastics or it's, you know, no one walks into an NFL, Tom, uh, was it Bro- um, Tom Brady? Yeah. Doesn't walk into the NFL field going, I'm going to have the healthiest game today. It's fucking win, right? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a competitive <laughs> mindset to it. And of course, bodybuilding being enormous amounts of foods, anabolic steroids involved, the heavy training, yada, yada, yada. You know, you can do so, only so many burnouts in your car before shit's going to break down. And so kind of burning the candle from both ends. I was, you know, working as a PT, trying to start a business and da, 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 da. So there's a lot of environmental factors, there's a lot of nutritional factors, um, just lifestyle factors in general that resulted in the decay of my body. Simple as that. Now, when I first had my first bout, which was, I was saying before, uh, about seven years ago, about the yeah. age of 20. So how long would you have been training? By, uh, by that stage, I'd probably done about a good five years of training. Okay. You know, I'd competed twice. Wow. Um, so once I competed once, I came dead last and just still fell in love with it. It was like, you know, back to the drawing board. What can That's I do? That's amazing. Not yeah, too many people no, would have been able to get back up. Yeah, from. yeah. Again, it's maybe I'm just fucking weird, man. Like, <laughs> it was just, I lost, but I was so excited about doing it. Is this something your parents had instilled in you at all? No, see, I'm the black, I feel like I'm the black shape in this, in this sense, you know. Not, I don't come from a very athletic family. Um, you know, my brothers did play a bit of rugby. They were forwards. They were quite quite big dudes. And, and um, actually, one of my brothers, not so much anymore. They're... they're You've really taken up more of the fitness health side of things now. But then at the time, you know, dad was overweight. He's suffered from a heart attack, wow. um, type of diabetes. Mum had the same condition, Crohn's. So there was obviously that genetic weakness within the coding of, you know, the DNA yep. passed on to me. And it's, you know, it's kind of like stretching elastic band. It would only be stretched for so long before it, you know, tink it goes. And then like I was saying about seven years ago, it, um, it, it came hard. It wasn't like a slow decline of health. It was like a very rapid decay. So my example was kind of like that elastic band. Pull, 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 and snap. Okay. See you later. And that yeah. was accompanied by bleeding and, and just Jeez. being admitted to hospital. And then you know, that's when the whole story started. So going from what, what sort of point were you at where you first started to notice that you were decaying or regressing physically oh man night and day there's only one moment and i was in um nando's with a friend of mine and just a sharp pain like you may as well got a 10 inch knife and just shoved it straight into the lower left side of my abdomen yeah and um yeah massive 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 pains of course not knowing what to do didn't really tell anyone about it thought it would subside excuse me and um yeah a couple of days later man i was on the toilet shitting blood 20 times a day so it was yeah oh yeah and so did you quick. did you take action when you noticed that? Um, I told my mum about 24 hours later. I didn't want to keep it a secret. Obviously, it's quite embarrassing. You're on the toilet, you're shitting blood. You know, you want to tell anyone. But, yep. you know, I'd kind of known mum had this Crohn's thing. She was just sick as a kid growing up. And told her, went straight to the doctors. They did a stool sample. Obviously, there was no stool. It was just pure blood. <laughs> so oh I came out. And the doctors just said, I've rung Fremantle Hospital Emergency. They know you're coming. Get down there now. Um, and so in shoot, I had about a two and a half week stay there, just doused with antibiotics and painkillers and just, they had no idea what's going on. Um, we can go into all that, but yeah, it was, it was a very rapid decay of health. Oh, yeah. that's scary, man. Oh yeah. Pretty scary. You know, 20 whole life ahead of you. And yeah. yeah. And up until that point, did you feel like you were in like optimum at optimum level um, like physically? I mean, what, in what context are you talking about? You know, training, yeah, but in health, I mean, until I think you practice health, you don't actually know what health means. But to you at that point, nah. like if you 
Yeah, no, you knew definitely you not. No, okay. it was like, yeah, sorry to answer your question more, more accurately. Like it was just a sudden onset. I didn't really have any idea or awareness yeah. of is my body healthy? You know, are my systems running optimally? There was just no knowledge of that. It was just bodybuilding focused. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you can just keep walking us through your story if you want, brother. Yeah. So look, I'll cut a really long story short, not to bore the audience, but it was basically then up until this point um or really about a year ago in and out of hospitals you know doing courses and courses of steroids to suppress the immune response which you know now i realize is the dumbest thing you could possibly do yeah um taking extremely harsh medications to again suppress symptoms and keep them at bay uh, but of course that's sort of you know like i say now a very reductionist viewpoint of what's happening in a greater problem um so that's kind of started the you know i always thought it was weird that you know in a gastrointestinal disease that I would have specialist after specialist say nutrition has nothing to do with it, which I just, you know, internally knew was just horseshit. You know, how, how could someone with so much education at a seven-year degree now realize they spent about two weeks studying nutrition, um, just blatantly flat out lie and say, your diet has nothing to do with it when it has everything to do with it, among other variables. Yeah, that's a yeah. major problem yeah. with the health sector. Huge. And that's sort of kind of the tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist in me to you know find truth because i'm a truth seeker you know i don't really give a fuck about what feels good or you know this and that the truth is the truth black and white the sky is blue you cannot argue it right gravity yep. exists we can argue all day long and that's important that's an important trait for someone to if you feel like you're not getting the answer that you want or the answer that you need the yeah. one that's right for you Correct. then keep looking until you find it no matter who tells you yeah, otherwise definitely and you know i could just kind of diverting this way i, I know your audience is this is a, a big um, podcast or kind of thing you're growing about mental health and if someone is otherwise not suffering from this but suffering themselves and they are in that same boat of like you know what man this guy's speaking some truth i didn't I'm, I'm not really connecting with my md or this person said this and i just don't believe it chances are you're probably right there's there's more answers out there i can absolutely guarantee it and I'd, you know i'd love to share the data um really bring that awareness and, and tell me there are answers for sure awesome bro um yeah continue From, kind of the, yeah the, just the keep breakup. walking through the story so yeah like i was saying in and out of, of hospitals and you know, iron deficient anemia cut all these biomarkers out of place my red cell count my white cell count this that iron deficient so there was infusions there was dry it was just doused you know doused okay. trying to fix a problem an holistic problem with reductionist treatments you know isolating certain things say aha that's the answer we just got to do that and not addressing the root cause. Same as like you go gardening and, and you know, if you're just chopping the weeds at the stem, you might look at it and go, oh, I've chopped off all the weeds, it looks great. And then you come back a week later and it's, you know, the fucking weeds are there again. You haven't got to the root cause, you haven't pulled it out. And I didn't know how to. Yeah. And, and at this point, did you, did they have an understanding of what you were going through? Uh, them being what the MDs, the, the, yeah. the system? No, absolutely not. Because if they did, they would have fixed it. You know, okay. this is a can. It's, I'm not discrediting the system. It has its place to a degree, but the treatment-based thinking is the wrong way to go about things. Very symptomatic. 100%. We, you don't treat symptoms. And I'd say it akin to, you know, if you had a car and you blocked off the exhaust pipe, you know, you're some punk kid, you'd start to put a potato in the exhaust pipe and seal it shut with some duct tape. You start driving your car, you know problems are going to occur in the engine, right? The trip computer will probably shut it down, but let's just assume <laughs> that shit starts to blow up, right? Carburetor goes, pistons fired off, this, this, this. Everyone's looking in the engine bay. It's like, oh, it's this problem. We've got to replace that. Or we've got to patch this up. Here's the treatment for this one because this has occurred. It's not the root problem. It's not the root cause of why those things are happening. Yep. So you have to dig a little bit deeper. And honestly, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, if not always, the problems are very simplistic. It's not about going deeper into the matrix and down the rabbit hole to try and find the answers. It's usually 9.9 .9 times out of 10, simplicity. And 
you know, I'd had a lot of education. I was doing a lot of things to try and help with those that this this whole decay of health. Like I discovered Wim Hof and breath work and meditation nice. and cannabis oil and all these modalities. But even them in themselves, while super powerful, you know, not harmful and effective, they in themselves were still isolated forms of treatment. Yep. So there was only so much they could do. Um, you know, again, had, my, had I have my time again now, how I would have done everything differently. But you know, everything is perfect in hindsight. So um, you can only kind of take the lessons now and um, apply them and help other people. And that's what I, you know, I plan to do. So moving on from that, you know, the, the, I call it like the um, the sink of water. That's you know the the plugs being pulled out, and it's, that starts that circle. It's slow on the outside, and as you get closer and closer, it gets faster and faster. And I relate that to the decay of health. You know, you can have these acute and subacute problems. You know, they might not be that an, um, uh, major in your life. They might not affect you that much, but they're a, a nuisance, right? Then you get to the chronic levels, and that's when they use you on prescription medication. It's really interfering with your life. Could be depression, anxiety, arthritis, you name it. And then you're into the final stage. It's, you know, it's the degenerate stage, and this is really where you're looking at death, you know, in the face. Yep. And that's where I got to very, very quickly after. For some stupid reason, holidaying in Europe for five weeks. Um, don't ask me why now. <laughs> I was actually in America for two weeks first. We even partied, my God. And then five weeks in Europe. So I still thought I was somehow invincible. I must have been the Dragon Ball Z and Goku. You know, so never, it, never go up. <laughs> was it still a like Kentucky style tour? No, I was just with me and my, my partner, and we we just we did the whole hop and and just discover this you know lucky little planet and just all the beautiful places in Europe. But still, I was just at such a chronic slash heading into degenerate levels. Yeah. And when I got back in 2017, last year, um, in July, it was just like a plane engines failed and it was just a nosedive. And I was only just discovering answers and, you know, quote unquote, seeing the light at this point. But, you know, there's a point of no return, man. It doesn't matter what you do at certain stages, like there is a point of no return. Yep. And my point of no return after I had surgery was realizing that I had perforations in my bowel. I mean, just everything was fucked in my body. It didn't matter how much, anything I did. Um, I just eventually needed surgery intervention. And that then allowed, because of this you know, rotten piece of flesh that was inside of me, because that had come out, my body's immune system could kind of re-regulate. There was obviously a lot of less toxicity in the body, um, detoxification pathways could, up, could upregulate, you know, everything, the cog started to turn again. And that's when I made you know, such a, a fast rebound because I had acquired all this knowledge over seven years but wasn't able to apply it. And okay. then when I did had this toxic piece of just trash in my body taken out, you know, all the stars aligned and, and off we go and then here I am now. So. Cool. So was it only after you'd come back from that holiday that they realised what was actually happening with you? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I discovered a, a, a really just amazing mentor and he was kind of the missing link to all these other leaders I had been, you know, studying, researching at like the Wim Hofs and all of these plant-based doctors and stuff like that. And this one guy was talking about the lymphatic system. His name was Robert Morse. Awesome. And um, just like I said, like all the cogs were kind of in place, but they don't work unless they're all working, right? Yeah. He was the missing link. And by that point, I'm literally like turning into skeletal, wasting away, super toxic and sick. I'd been placed back on more medication. It was immunosuppressants there's even some chemotherapy drugs that they give you just again it's like suppress 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 Jeez. which again is just the stupidest thing you can do you should never take an immune suppressant you should only do things to you know boost it up and um but again by then it was too late you know i was wasting away i needed surgery i had it in my head i was like oh finally the answers i can now do this you yep. know which makes my story so much less convincing i realize but you know there are the results from other people to, to back this up but um, again, by that point, I was too late. It's like, had I done this at 20 years old and had I known this information, you know, I wouldn't have had surgery. I know full well. I can say that without a shadow of a doubt. 
Um, I don't need anyone else to believe it, but I know full well, had I applied these principles, had I applied all these um, protocols, um, you know, the disease, quote unquote, would have gone into remission. You know, okay. Health would be restored. Super interested to dive into that side, but before we do, yeah. um, you said that had you known that this or what this disease was and what it was doing to you, mm. you would have applied that knowledge. What exactly was the disease? Crohn's disease. So for anyone, that listening, yeah, for anyone listening, it's an inflammatory bowel disease. So, you know, you have 40 feet from your mouth to your butthole of tube, right? Food goes in, it gets digested and broken down. It's pulled through the intestinal wall to obviously be used. And then it's assimilated by um, certain chemicals and, and, and steroids in your body to actually use those nutrients. And in an inflammatory bowel disease, essentially that process from mouth to butt is compromised and it can be compromised anywhere. With Crohn's disease, they basically say it can be compromised from anywhere, from the mouth to the esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large, you name it, it could come anywhere. So I was originally diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is just confined to the last part of the intestinal tract, which is the large colon. Um, but then later on diagnosed with Crohn's. And again, this kind, lots of people go through this. They get diagnosed and misdiagnosed and re-diagnosed and it's, it's a lot of crap because they don't have the answers. Yeah. You know? they're, they're told these, these isolated viewpoints. So, Well, just to give you my view on going and get diagnosed for something, I've, I've had stomach problems for quite a while. Yeah. And when I first went in, the doctor actually sat there with his computer facing me and typed it on Google. Oh, you're sh- there you go. Yeah, there you go. Don't worry. Yeah, sore stomach. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I, there's no discredit to the, anyone that's listening that might be a doctor here, but I can full well tell you that within my seven years, I've seen some of the worst malpractice that there are people that should be in jail for what they have done to people and what they do to people. Out of usually their own ignorance, most doctors want to help people. They, just, exactly. they themselves do not have the information and they're only trained in reductionist treatments, which is medicine. Yeah. All right. Um, and... So you're talking about the your specific case of, of Crohn's mm-hmm. and how how did your case impact your life? Oh, man. Dramatic. Or how does it impact your life? Yeah, I mean, like anyone that's got it, that would know for what I'm talking about. Um, there will definitely be that uh, empathetic link. But for anyone that doesn't understand, if you can just imagine, like anything, something that brings you down. And that's why I want to think or make people think that somehow depression or arthritis or Crohn's is, is any different. At the end of the day, if you look to the umbrella cause of what it's doing to your life, it's bringing you down. It's impeding you from functioning as a normal, healthy human being. So that could be everything from your work, you know, pains, sick day, cancel clients, this, that, extra sleep, no energy, to then your social, don't feel as good about friends. For me personally with the Crohn's, it was like, man, I might have to like, you know, go to the toilet real quick. So you'd have to always be aware of it. No, you just have to learn these little things and adapt. Um, but certainly it'll bring you down in every way, shape and form from, like I was saying, your personal to social to business and it affects both body and mind. You know, the body obviously works in a symbiotic nature. Everything is connected. Yep. And so there is no one way, real way, I guess it brings you down, you know, like anything like your problems in life and like anyone else that's out there. It just, like I said, impedes you from being a healthy functioning human being. Yeah. And how does it impede that functioning like physically? Um, well, I guess 100%. If you don't mind. Yeah, no, no, about of it. course. Well, 100% with the, your ability to digest, absorb, and assimilate nutrients. You know, with digestion, there are four phases. You have to have the first phase done properly, which is, you know, mechanical breakdown. That's chewing our food, which makes sense. That wasn't affected. You know, all my teeth. And <laughs> second is the, um, well, and of course, the second part to that is breakdown of the foods in the stomach. You know, that means to make sure that your pancreas is working, you have digestive enzymes working, a good hydrochloric acid content, yada, yada, yada. So that's just phase one, right? Then you have yep. absorption through the intestinal barrier. And it's about, from memory, about seven to eight meters of small intestine. 
right? You have your finger-like villi and you have the mucosal lining and you need that food to be pulled through. That's your lipids or fatty acids, that's your proteins and your carbohydrates, right? So if that fails and you have malabsorption, you're fucked there again. So it's like you're not absorbing all of your nutrients. Then your third phase is the utilization or the assimilation, like actually getting those nutrients to certain parts, you know, iron being used for hemoglobin and oxygen transportation, yada, yada, yada. So, and then of course, proper elimination. If your, if your tubes aren't working, peristalsis, which is the muscular contraction to push food through so you can eventually go to the toilet, all these things are affected. You can just imagine in like my case specifically, my ability to eat food, absorb it and break it down, or sorry, break it down and absorb it and then use it for energy function, you know, this, that and the other, highly compromised. So, you know, the resulting symptoms of that is, of course, the lethargy, the lack of energy, the inability to concentrate and trying to being a normal functioning human being presses its challenges, that's for sure. Man. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, yeah, big time. And anyone would say, you know, it's the days you just can't get out of bed, but you have to, you know, you've got things to do. So that's wow. where I think you learn a lot of that perseverance and mm, soldiering on. Okay. Um, there's one other thing you touched on um, with finding that mentor and you talked about the lymphatic system. Do you mind like giving a quick overview yeah, of what absolutely. that is and how it functions? Yeah, in its simplistic form. And this is what kind of sets <coughs> me out totally because it's so simple. Your body has a garbage bin system. It's, it has a shit system, a suicide, whatever you want to call it. It has a system to take all of the waste from every single one of your cells. And we have approximately, you know, scientists are still out in the jury, but it's between 50 and 100 trillion cells. And I tell people in Australia, because I don't know if you have international listeners, that's a billion MCGs with a full crowd. So grand final day next weekend, a billion MCGs. That's a lot of fucking cells. And every <laughs> single one of those cells needs to be fed via nutrition. That's very obvious. To be moved via electrical impulses, right? So even me talking or squeezing a fist or holding a dumbbell to do a bus, that requires electricity and nerve impulses. And then finally to be cleaned. And that is where your lymphatic system comes in. And the space between each one of those 100 trillion cells is called the interstitial fluid. And the lymph fluid or the lymphatic space takes up about 80% of that. So it's the king. Your shit system is the ruler of your body. It's not the blood. It's not the venous system. It's your garbage disposal system. And it's no different into house. You know, you have a sink or a kitchen to kind of feed you. That's pretty obvious. And then you have a bin. And if you don't take that bin out in a timely manner, it starts to overfill, starts to smell a bit funky. There's fucking mold. It's shit, you know, it stinks. It'll make you sick. And when you see a symptom, you know, you're not sick because you have Crohn's. You have Crohn's because you're sick. Your body cannot... Uh, cope with the loading you're placing upon it, your garbage bin, to take it out in a timely manner. And there's only four channels of elimination that the lymphatic system uses. That's your skin and, and perspiration. That's why sweating's a good thing, getting in a sauna, for instance. Respiration, of course, breath. You can have smelly breath and there's ways to you know, get rid of carbon dioxide and other you know, toxins in the body. And then your pee and poo. Right, urine and defecation. So if those things are not happening in a timely manner, so for instance, you have constipation, you are not eliminating in a timely manner, you may have higher acidosis in the body and these acids build up in the body and your lymphatic system can only cope with so much. And it's like, you know, if someone's in the gym and their max bench is 80 kilos and you put 120, it's not going to end well. It's going to fucking crush them, right? Yep. So because the loading is, is outweighing their ability to stand and cope with that loading. So through weak genes, through environmental factors, environmental toxins, acid-forming foods, we overload the lymphatic system. This garbage, this shit system gets overloaded and all of a sudden, symptoms arise. And that could press anyway. It could be in the, sh you know, the shoulder and sore shoulder. It could be pain in the gut for me. It could be anything, right? Arthritis, lupus, Lyme, all these things. These are systemic acidosis problems. So the lymphatic system is the most important system, in my opinion, the, the sewage system to keep clean in order for the body to stay healthy. 
and people, you know, really, again, we obsess about nutrition, you know, keto this, vegan that, da, 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 da. like just too much noise in the nutritional field when no one, in my opinion, is really looking in the right area. And it's like the car example I gave you, you know, potato in the exhaust pipes blocked up. That's your lymphatic system. That's where the car fumes get out, right? You block that system off, everything else breaks down. So in the human body, until you fix, again, your digestion, until you fix the lymphatic system, you can't bitch about deficiencies. You can't bitch about your symptoms because you haven't addressed the root cause of all your problems. It's awesome, that's how I explain it. You're kind of, you know, a three-hour lecture in down to, knowledgeable, to five minutes. <laughs> well, again, this is everything you learn, right? But if you're a truth seeker and you want the answers, you need to learn what this human body, what am I in housing? What is this thing, this vehicle that I get to drive, right? I'm not a rabbit. I'm not. A, I'm a human. So I need to learn this thing, right? Yeah, and I think it's important too because, like, you were put in that position. Although you put yourself in that position, and sure. maybe it was partly hereditary, and you set that off by putting yourself in that position with sure. bodybuilding and overloading yeah. um, your body. It's awesome that you've gone from this point of struggle and despair and gone on this mission yourself to, to find the truth. Yeah, like as help other people. Yeah. As this truth seeker. And you've gone into such depth that you can articulate something like that that easily and that fluidly. Mm. You know, so that someone else can listen and resonate and think, they holy shit, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Does, no. Is that happening to me? And can I use some of the knowledge he has to improve my life? Yeah which is fucking awesome. Not Thank too many people do that. Most people would stop at the struggle mm. and just stay there until they, you know, decay to death. For sure. I mean, look, man, it's, it's you know, we can go bald. We could just, I'm sure, sit here for 10 hours and explain <laughs> why this is and, and why I'm the way I am now. But at the end of the day, you know, I wouldn't wish upon what I had to experience on my worst enemy, you know. And at the end of the day, you know, you ask anyone, even if they don't know what do they want to do with their life, at the end of the day, you ask someone, they're going to say, I want to help other people or help do something and contribute and if I can emulate everything I went through and stop other people going through what I had to go through, and by the same token, many people are not ready to change, they will continue drinking, they will continue smoking. Yep. People listening right now will continue on their shitty lifestyle habits, and that's fine. Like That's okay. There is no judgment. Who cares? No one's perfect. We all try to clean out our closet and then clean everyone else's and then act like they're perfect. And at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all here to you know, you know go through this whole thing called life for 80 years. You come, you go. And we are developing this kind of global consciousness now. And I think, you know, the healthier people are, the healthier their bodies and healthier their minds. And the better we kind of progress as, as, a, as a species, you know. So just play yeah. my role and doing the best I can. And it's important that you do keep playing that role and keep leveling up um, intellectually, like, around the subject, physical, and I guess your interspirituality as well, considering yeah. what you've spoken to me about, like, prior. Mm. But it's important that you keep, developing and you stay in this role because as those people that you said um who aren't yet ready to stop drinking stop eating super bad and you know filling their bodies with toxin yeah. creating that acidosis environment yeah. when they do hit that wall and they find themselves like either facing death or having to serious illness or yeah or serious illness or like take the truth seeker out like you mm -hmm at least you'll be in a space to provide them that information. For sure. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of information out there on all this stuff. It's just, again, like you said, are you ready? And that's usually the thing. People wait until at the point of real pain, real trauma. I think it was Ty Lopez on Tom Billy's show, and it was talking about this. That's why he targets 18 to 25-year-olds because, they're, you know, their minds are young. They have great neuroplasticity. They can change their habits. It's like after 25, you're fucked, man. Basically, <laughs> the only way you're changing is through pain and trauma. So, look, I would, I would just ask people to take a big deep breath 
really audit themselves. I, I mentioned this last time with Brendo's podcast. I said, just do a self audit. Am I healthy? If the answer is more often than that, and am I happy, then great. Continue living your life. And who am I to tell you what to do with your life? If you're in trouble, start finding the answers. There are there. But you have to look at what you've done to your body. Not blame this, not blame that. Fucking Trump's president. It, dude, it's you, right? It all starts with you. Forget what you can't control. It could be weak genes, hereditary. That's going to be inherited. You can't change that. So what? You get dealt to you know, 2-7 in poker, right? You play the hand. You can bluff. You can do. You have control. So just audit yourself, see where you're at, be honest, be intellectually honest with yourself and then, you know, plan accordingly and just take it day by day. Have fun with it. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I guess before we get to your recovery, I just want to go back to that seven-year period after having, like, realized that something was wrong, mm. shitting blood, going to your mum and then going to hospital and then having this thing play out where they just treat the symptom, the symptom, the symptom over yeah. the next seven years or so. Mm-hmm going on holiday and then coming back and then finally having that rotten flesh, like you said, taken out yeah. and then finding, okay, now I can apply these yeah. recovery methods. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were going through mentally? Because obviously that would have been hard physically mm. um, for you as a bodybuilder going from that size you were yeah. down to someone who was, Skeletal. I guess, yeah, <laughs> malnourished. Yeah. Um, like I think we can all understand that in terms of mentally how it was going from that to skeletal yeah. and then fighting your way back. For sure. I just Before I really go into that, I just want to touch on one last thing that's kind of sparked an in interest. Cool. I, I just, just for the listeners out there, this guy comes back down to obstruction versus feeding and nutrition. I had a protein deficiency wow. when I was consuming 300 grams of protein a day. I was iron anemic, eating all the red meat you could possibly. So again, it just kind of goes to show you that it's not about what you put into your body. It's whether you can absorb and assimilate it. I now consume about 40 grams of protein a day. Shit, you know, no animal sources either, right? And I have a protein level that's almost out of range, high. So again, it just kind of goes and backs up and and just goes to show it's not about what you put in, it's about how it can be worked or how it can be assimilated. That's awesome. Now back to your your point. (laughs) I just wanted to finish that up. Um, Yeah, fucking tough. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Thank God I'd had such great mentors when I was younger. Like Mm -hmm. I was saying before the podcast, you know, I had really great leaders to instill a lot of those pillars of strength in me. Very grateful for that. And that's all your things like perseverance, you know, a discipline um, to keep pushing on. That's everyone from fucking Goku and Dragon Ball Z, you know, keep on fighting, keep on pushing through to Lewis, my my mentor in, in bodybuilding and many other great people. Um, so that's kind of where it started because, you know, when you seek problems, you can either bitch out and, and stay down or you can get up and take it on the chin, right? So there was an element to that. Um, but I think the harder bits were being faced with literally the idea and the concept of what death is. I mean, you know, I was lying in a bed for six months, 23 and a half hours a day, right? The only time I got up was to perhaps maybe drink a bit of water, you know, a juice or whatever, or go shit blood. And is that because you couldn't get up? Yeah, literally just couldn't. I I was just amazed. I mean, it took me probably at least two minutes to just get out of bed, you know, one foot down on the ground, then the other, then to take a big breath, wonder if I'm even going to be able to stand up. Sometimes I just crawl to the toilet, go shit, back in bed. And so, you you know, the amount of time that you have to contemplate life, to contemplate what, you know, it's just even, I mean, I don't want to get too hippie here, but the universe and spirituality and just... Uh, We're full hippie, bro. Yeah, full (laughs) of beautiful love of, you know, balls deep then. Um, But, you know, you have the time. That's our most valuable asset. Um, you never get it back um, and you have that time to go through and just self-check do that auditing so I had you know six months of that which I think the normal person who wouldn't be in that would be several lifetimes you know, yep. several lifetimes so I had to kind of face these things and um, go through a lot of realities there was a lot of surrendering to that process um, I think what made it hardest was 
I think I was saying to you before, this this kind of this inner voice that had kind of dualistic sides of there's so much I want to experience in this world. Like I'm 26 years old. I, I'm a fucking baby. Like, yeah. What have I experienced, right? And there's so much I want to experience, everything from travel to kids to this, to going to business to that, to versus also everything I want to give back. And they just seem to be this beautiful, I need to take in this world, which we all do. And I need to give back as well. And you, you can see the people that swing this balance out on both sides. The people that take too much, they're selfish assholes, they, yeah. they're very unhappy. And the people that also conversely give too much, they just give, 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 they can also be quite unhappy themselves. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that give far more than they need to mm-hmm. or an overabundance of yeah. giving, yeah. they don't understand that you have a right to take, take back or absolutely. that you have a right to ask okay. and no one's stupid man you know what you can take and give in this world keep it simple it doesn't have to be a perfect 50-50 but at some stage you'll take a lot and then it's time to give back you know these are simple laws of nature um, like I said before no one's arguing with gravity exists or whether certain things exist there are just certain laws and when you realise these things and awake to them you tend to respect them a lot more you start to live your life more aligned with them um, and then you go forth I mean, and again apart from that that six month journey of just the the hardcore facing those things i think it was just the isolation that really killed me as well i mean i couldn't even stand lights and my room was blacked out you know the, the most contact i had was maybe just a text message or a phone call from a friend wow. and of course during these time periods you you do of course realize who your true friends are and i don't want to say that you know in an absolute fashion because there are other people going through their shit you cannot just you have to yes. grow to understand you cannot just expect them to and some it. people just might not have been taught up until that point, how right. to deal how with to a certain deal. situation Absolutely. or a conversation yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think that's what grew as well, is definitely a greater understanding of being able to take myself out of my shoes. How would it be looking at through the eyes of someone else? You know, That's what grows your awareness. That's what grows your understanding. That's what grows your consciousness. And um, like I said, just having the time, that was the most valuable thing because you can't put a price on what I was able to learn. Okay, and when you're talking about this, knowing that there's still a lot you you have to gain from life and then still a lot to give mm-hmm. through what you're going to learn or what you have learnt in the last six or so years. Yeah. Was that due to having a face death while you, yeah. I guess, face the thought of death? Definitely. Because there are people that are younger than me that are facing death. There are children with stage three cancers. You know. yeah. it's, it's like, it's just that this, the human species should not, we are in such a decay of health. The genes are becoming so weak. Babies are born with tumours and cleft lips and neurological disorders. And this is not mystery. This is cause and effect. This is simple. And we need to wake up and stop thinking that we can eat and drink like billy goats, that we can just live a life of decay and, and hate and anger and eat shit foods and have late nights and overwork. And these things will break you down. And if you decide to have children, you will pass that on. You are not born yeah. with a fresh baby like you buy a fresh car. That is the furthest thing from the truth. And that's one thing I worry about a lot is having used steroids quite a lot and like abused steroids mm. and drugs yeah. quite a lot is that yeah. I I wonder whether I well de- I know de- I'll pass bro you'll be right <laughs> <laughs> lemon tea <laughs> yeah. well, honestly you can reverse any if if this I don't want to say that as an absolute again if the systems are in if all the cogs are aligned and you work on your body in the way you reverse everything you've done to it you will detoxify and your body will regenerate it will remember how it was yeah right what tells the body to heal itself when you cut itself Right, we know how it does it. We can say how the tissue and the matrix come together, and da da. We heal. What's driving that? Right, there is a divine force. I'm not going to talk about God and this, but there is a power. Call it consciousness. Call it the universe. Call it God. Call it Buddha. Call it whatever you want. Doesn't really matter. There is a divine. So when you go through those kinds of things and you realize, you know what, I'm not so healthy. 
I need to start give myself some self-love and do some you know some health stuff and work on my body the more you give back to it the more your body will uh you know it'll reward you it'll thank you for it cool um I guess one one last thing I wanted to touch on or a couple things I want to touch on while you were in hospital in hospital for that six months I was in here I was in here I was only you in here yeah I was in my bedroom yeah, oh Jesus it. but then I went in for so when I needed to go into surgery it was okay. like yeah point of no return dude straight to the hospital go okay. to surgery yeah well so when you were in that isolation I guess for, for the six months mm-hmm. I think we spoke about it beforehand but did you ever touch on what you would consider depression during that stage or did you have those pillars set up in such a way yeah. that um, giving up was never an option for you. Yeah, so there's probably two components to that. The first one is, I think, like I was saying, having those foundations laid, the perseverance, the do not give up, the, you know, just uh, that mentality of just keep on going. I think that was number one, which did help, without a doubt. The second thing is, is for me, personally, this may not be correct for everyone, but knowledge is truly power. When you know why your body is in depressed state, and I want people to maybe pull back because, you know, when I say depression into this mic and then someone's listening here to the words depression, everyone has their meaning. Exactly. Right? So depression to someone could be sadness. Depression to me is the lowering of something, the lowering of function. And, you know, I know full well depression is tied to parathyroid, calcium utilization, the way certain things happen in your body to make you feel good. We know when you go eat a shit meal, you feel like shit. No one feels great after eating a, two pizzas, right? And a couple of chocolate lava cakes. So we know food influences. We know relationships can influence. We know stress can influence. So when you have this knowledge that you can just say, you can admit it. Sometimes I think it's the fight. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. Yet, you know, you're really depressed. All these functions are depressed. I think that causes more depression. Exactly. Ironically, right? Just, like I said, audit yourself. Am I depressed? I can sit here and be like, fuck no. I feel great, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you're like, yeah, man, you know what? Life's starting to seem really great. Acknowledge that. It's really important because it's your body telling you something. And believe me, your body is smarter than you think. The divine power of driving your body, it will tell you by symptoms, right? So you need to wake up to those symptoms and address what's happening. Now, depression, as you know, I'm sure can come in many forms. You could have acute depression from a breakup. You could have acute depression from a a mother or father or someone dying. You can then also have induced depression, really shitty diet, acidosis of the body, down parathyroid gland. So to really sum up your question, it is absolutely knowledge to me didn't allow me to fully be um, unaware to what felt like depression, yep. you know, which again was just the function of my body, you know. But again, the mindset, I think the spirit, the inner, the core of who I was had too much to live for, had too much, you know, truth seeking. There was just too much out to be like, fuck this, fuck life, just, you know, I want to neck myself. Cool. So I guess if I'd sum that up, so what you're saying is that you had acquired so much knowledge in those previous years that you knew that you weren't going to remain in that state forever as long as you'd implemented Correct. it. Correct, 100%. That's yeah. awesome. We're men, man. We, <laughs> shit's broken, you fix it, right? I just knew shit was broken and I knew there was a way to fix it. I just didn't know how and at that point I was too late. So like I said, once I had the surgery, kept applying those things and poof, voila, off we go. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. One last thing is ego. Did that ever play a role throughout that seven-year period? Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of ego is, is just absolutely essential to the human experience, yep. right? If, if you had no ego, you, who would you be? Really, you need an identity to be a human being. But in terms of being egocentric, um, again, I just loved bodybuilding, so I didn't really immerse myself in that industry to say, look how fucking awesome my chest and abs is, bro. Like, you know, there wasn't that vanity component. It's just that I took a body with me. I say, you know, you're a bodybuilder, you take your trophy everywhere. You can walk down the street. If you're a professional golf player, 
no one knows you're a professional golf player, yep. right? But everyone knows you're a bodybuilder. So there is I've that ego. I've never heard it put that way. That's well, fucking awesome. Yeah, right? I mean, you could be a professional boxer, right? <laughs> Who yeah. knows until you get in the ring, right? Again, you carry your trophy everywhere. So there is a natural, I think, subconscious. And of course, you know, being in young 20s, you're not fully aware of what the ego is and what spirituality is and just yeah. essence and awareness of self. So they may have played a subconscious role on that and building my identity as like Mitch the bodybuilder and Mitch the gymnast and Mitch the this and Mitch the that. And what I love about your question is, is in that six month period of just being so degenerate, so isolated, that shit, that is ego death, man. That is, you wipe away all of your identities, all of the layers of the onion and you get stripped back to nothingness. It as is, long as you can accept it. As long as, and that's the thing, I surrendered. That right. is amazing, bro. Surrender, you have to at that point. So there is no choice. You know, yeah. you get a choice to cross the road. You don't get a choice in this when you're facing that level of decay of health. And I guess when you talk about surrendering, how did you allow yourself to actually surrender? Because I know that's a problem that most people face and it's a problem that people face when they are, mm. I guess, considering suicide. Yeah. yeah. Or when they're considering reaching out. Yeah. But they just haven't surrendered to the fact that they are going through something. For sure. Look, man, it's probably multifactorial. Again, this, right. the, the surrendering came as no choice for me. There are people out there that have the choice. Um, I think, like I said, the first part is knowledge and acceptance. Probably more acceptance first, because if you don't have the knowledge, at least you can accept and say, hey, you know what, I have a problem. And that is a huge weight lifted off your shoulders, because at least you become vulnerable, mm-hmm. which the ego cannot attach to. You know, the ego has no vulnerability. So being vulnerable, I think, is really important. But then also just doing something about it. You've admitted it, and that's the next step. What can I do about it to fix this problem? And see, I think multifactorial in the sense of, um, yeah, it's kind of everything resulting. If, if, if you want a more specific answer, I think to um, just ego itself, just let me know. But otherwise, yeah, like I said, it's, there's many layers to it. Yeah, I can riff on ego, man. I'm, you know, excited to hear your take yeah well I mean, like i was saying i mean i don't have to be about this really in depth i think like i was saying originally there was this identity that you build as a child to a teenager to in my case early 20s and that's who you believe you are subconsciously more so than not and it was as simple as as i saw that decay coming and as it was really degenerate like you know the plane falling out of the sky like that level very fast and yeah. very quickly heading towards death you find out certain lessons and certain truths that you just, they, they come to you, you know, they, they, they come to you, not through a book, not through a text, not through anything. They just come to you as you are going through contemplation, meditation, that kind of thing and have all the time that I did in bed. So, you know, that ego and that identity was stripped away very um, quickly. And for most people going through that, it's the most traumatic thing ever. Um, for me, it was quite liberating because I, you know, when you hit rock bottom, there's only one direction up, man. <laughs> there's only one way up. And if it's death, so be it. You have to surrender to that too. No one is making it out here alive. We like to think that we're going to live forever until those realities hit. Like you ask any 70, 80-year-old person, you sit down and have a conversation with them. It's very, very different to a 20-year-old conversation. Yeah. Not because they're old, because they are facing certain things that are unavoidable and the very concept of mortality and death. And so, you know, being in my 20s and discovering that, it's like I helped the lessons that an 80-year-old would get um, very, very quickly. So, yeah, that ego was stripped away by that, without a doubt. And then, of course, the flip side to that is kind of like the seesaw. It's like that's the seesaw ripping you down and that, for a lot of people, traumatic ripping away of identity and self and feeling like shit. And then the rebound, which is you get to create the person who you truly want to become. You have more time to be... um, a little more methodical about how you want to go about that. You have all this new wisdom. You know, they say wisdom is more powerful than knowledge and it truly is. And in that sense, you know, while I'm not perfect, uh, I had the ability and do have the ability and continue to have the ability to rebuild my life as a very young person 
person that's awesome. um, into an older and um, eventually deathful phase. That's powerful, <laughs> bro. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. And I guess, um, what was his name? That you said was on Impact Theory with Tom Billiou. Uh, 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 Ty Lopez. Yes. I guess he was right then. Yeah. <laughs> After 25, it's trauma. Yeah, pretty much, man. Pretty much. And trauma that like, we learn from. Yeah. You know, I, I've had so many people, even just this year alone, let alone the last couple of years when I was discovering all this stuff and, um, you know, they would have the same problems or not the same problems, just have a problem. Yeah. And the solution is provided, man, 10 times out of 10, if they're not ready, they're not ready. That's 100% foolproof. If they're not ready, you can give them all the answers in the world and they're not ready, right? So it's until that they experience and they are ready and that's their journey in their life and their experience to wake up to. Um, and then usually the floodgates open to receive data, receive information, then start to change those habitual patterns. We like to think we're in control in the day. And if you have a low level of consciousness and a low level of awareness, you absolutely do not. Your life is lived, according to neuroscience, coming with the latest stats, it's not like 90% subconscious. Who remembers brushing their teeth? Who remembers driving to work? Who remembers their eight hour shift, right? Not many, unless something dramatic happens. And it's those 10% of like a dramatic this or someone cuts you off in traffic or like that's when you wake up, right? So developing your consciousness and awareness to live a more conscious life in the day yep. um, as you're serving yourself, serving other people, serving the world, um, that definitely allows for, uh, I think, a more fulfilling, um, a more rich experience and just a more, a more rich human experience. So, God damn it, man. No <laughs> wonder you do your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hobby. Like I said, that's a hobby. I'm not really, you know, trying to work on anything. Like I was saying to you, I just, I think I love... Just talking to different people, you just you know you meet some incredible. Yeah, people. but you're someone who should be doing something like that. The way you can articulate the knowledge you have. Yeah, I think eventually there definitely will be some sort of podcast. I mean, I'm 27, so I'm just taking it. The the one thing you do learn is a lot of patience. You know, I'm not in a rush. I think you all. should um, have a video though, because you you're quite pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> Thanks, mum. <laughs> um, moving on, I guess to recovery, and you've, you've yep. spoken a little bit about a few of the modalities that you used um, some of the tips tools or tactics yeah did you want to go over some of those for us now and if you can while you're telling us about them I guess when you started using them or when you come across them and yeah. how you implemented them man we could be here for six hours because there's so much I could give right now but you know let me give as much as I can and then just butt me out when I'm you know dribbling okay. shit go for it uh, for anyone out there listening um, like I said, it's as simple as this. When you have the knowledge and the know-how, it may not always come to you straight away. I think we live in a microwave generation of oh, 60 seconds. It should be done by now. No. If you are 47 years old and you've had a lifetime of drinking and smoking and shit foods and drugs and steroids, it's not going to, you know, one salad ain't going to fix you, for God's sakes. Let's be real here for a second. So let's just, you know, back up a little bit, take a big breath, and then we can press forward. And that's number one is just, like I said, the audit. That's super important. When it came to me and what I was doing and the things I was learning, it wasn't a case of I implemented them afterwards. And of course, being in hospital, I was rest restricted, but I was doing everything prior in dribs and drabs. Then once I was out, there was just that sense of freedom. My goodness, when you're confined to four walls, my God, just hallelujah, you're getting out. And then continuing on, obviously, a holistic lifestyle of addressing all the things that were wrong in my life. You know, I'd gone through a terrible breakup. Um, you know, so a relationship with both self, relationship with maybe a special someone, you know, I think that's that's something to definitely address. It'd be huge. Yep. Um, and that was addressed to the best way I absolutely knew how to. You know, we're still no longer together, but we are great friends. We, we, we found so much closure. We had so much forgiveness. And I think forgiveness is a huge part of releasing emotional trauma. 
um, and it's not important for the other person even that sounds so sounds like a dick thing to say it's more so for yourself you know forgiveness is huge so that's something I'm still working on from it's, it's high enough. school relationships yeah. and yeah. every relationship since definitely <laughs> there you go so that that's probably human nutritionally and I probably want to go a bit deeper and I probably should have touched on this first because this is the biggest factor yep. it is one factor you know like I said this is one isolated variable in a, in a holistic viewpoint but it is the most biggest contributing factor and I try to tell people, you know, you do not, this is the thing, people are so obsessive about their health, they're unhealthy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. They're because they're breeds this orthorexic type. If I have too many grams of this, I'm going to fucking be fat and I'm going to count my macros and just there's so much bullshit that people go on with when it comes to nutrition. We survived for millennia without even knowing what a fucking protein, carb or fat was. We survived for millennia through the roughest of conditions, whether we couldn't even eat for three weeks straight, we went through famine. The body is an amazing machine. And I will circle around to things I did do, but I just kind of want to paint the picture. So I think people just need to pull back to simplicity. You know, when it comes to food, it's simple. Does this food serve me? Does it come from Mother Earth? And how does the contents of this food, that's when you can upskill your knowledge, impact my body? And leave yourself room for a bit of fucking cake and a bit of cheesecake and a bit of wine and a bit of this once in a while. If you're healthy, if you have the leverage, if you have the keys to a Ferrari, and I tell people this, I say, just start to reimagine when you wake up, your body is a Ferrari. It's a Lamborghini, whatever the fuck your favorite car is, right? Treat it like that. We, we get, treat our cars better than we treat our bodies, which is just crazy. Right? I can understand why when you put the emotional side of things into it and you know, you know, uh, comfort eating and shit like that. But if you really start to give yourself the love and respect that you deserve, you will change your eating habits without a doubt. First and foremost, the number one food group we're species specifically designed for is fruit. There's no question about it. Anatomically, physiologically, fruit is our friend. Yeah, I've read a lot about how the shape of our teeth uh, everything everything how from the, the digestive yeah. tract the enzymatic reactions the the you know simple source of, of fructose and glucose that's required for atp which is the the currency for energy um there's no doubt and we have demonized a food group due to now tinfoil hat on conspiracy theory coming in you know meat industry egg industry grain industry all these industries that don't give a fuck about you or your family but will push you push at this stupid and ridiculous food pyramid which animal in nature gathers 10 servings of grains and two serves of dairy and this of meat and this of that? Mate, have you seen a wild horse in nature? Fucking brilliant. Shiny, healthy, happy, eats fucking grass. Okay. So we complicate nutrition big time and we demonize fruit. So I would tell anyone out there, if you want to live a happier, cleaner, more energetic life, eat more fruit, right? And by itself too, because when you start food combining, you're putting acids with bases and stuff like that. I'm going to go into that, but keep it simple. And I tell people this all the time. They're like, what? You mean I can have all that sugar? I'm like, yeah, you can because sugar is the required for energy production. It's simple. We can talk about fatty acids and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, even rice, pasta, these are complex carbohydrates which break down to sugars. They have to be broken down because they're complex to even be able to be used. Same as the protein myth, right? We cannot use protein. We need to break it down to what's known as the polypeptide, which is like a, a first breakdown stage and then into the individual amino acid before we can even use it. So there's a lot of myths going on in nutrition and it's not to say that you need to go, go just go vegan bro or go this, go that. Eat whatever the hell you want. I couldn't care less. But end of the day, I think the most important message is, yes, you can eat a lot more fruit than you think. And there's a lot less calories. People think, oh, the sugar's gonna make me fat, the sugar's gonna make me fat. No motherfucker, the pastas and the breads and the oats and the crap's gonna make you fat, right? <laughs> That's where the dense calories are, right? Because they're complex, so their structures are more dense. Fruit and it's simple. I mean, fruit, but I think a pineapple has like seven times less you know, sugar slash carbohydrates than say rice. Yeah. So when people are like, oh my God, you can have so much fruit. I'm like, yes, go for it. 
I would tell anyone to at least make 50 to 80% of their fruit, of, uh, diet fresh fruit picked right because unripe fruit is, you know, in its nitrogen stage, it's more acidic. It's not really good for the body. There's a reason you're supposed to pick and eat ripe fruit just as you would eat a piece of dead, rotten, bacteria, overgrown piece of bread, right? Or a, a piece of meat that's right. You want it fresh, right? So that's like anything. Of course, your vegetables, right? But even then, you know, we're not really herbivores. We don't have the multiple stomachs to break down that, that dense cellulose and that fiber. Um, but even then, we can get a lot out of veggies and a lot of, extract a lot of nutrition. So, you know, just simple. Up your fruit and veg. We say it all the time. Not two and five. Go 20 and 10, man. <laughs> Do as much as you want to till you're satisfied. Feel the rest then. And like, this is course to people that don't really have these diseases like I did and stuff like that. They can just get away with it. Feel the rest then, yes, with your nuts, your seeds, your rices, your potatoes, bit of meat, bit of this, bit of that, if that serves you and it makes you happy. So I would say that is a nutshell in terms of food groups yep. would be the biggest thing. The other thing that I kind of want to divert to, if you don't mind, Go for it. Um, is more along the lines of herbs. Um, I think herbs are so underrated. I know, and I, I say all this not out of spite. I say because I'm guilty myself. I know why people think this way because I thought it myself, right? You have to change your views and your viewpoints. Herbs are great, man. There, there are so many herbs um, that are so good for you. Everything here, binding herbs that help, you know, bind and pull onto things to eliminate through the intestinal tract. You have anti-inflammatory herbs like your turmeric, um, sage, mesquite, lacumas. Like you have all these beautiful herbs. And, you know, if you're interested in herbs, just go to a quick Google search. We live in 2018, the age of information. So if any of this interests you, you're more than welcome to look it up. And, you know, herbs, more or less, they feed tissues. They help cellular regeneration. They protect. They anti have antioxidant components. They might be antimicrobial, antifungal, whatever they may be. They will help serve and protect the human body. So, yeah, for me, when I got out of hospital, you know, kind of wrapping all this up in, in a shorter nutshell, um, I just continued on it, you know, extremely high fruit intake, a lot of juices, a lot of smoothies. I was doing like, you know, 400 grams of sugar. Oh, I must have diabetes. No, it's not how it works, right? Inflammation causes diabetes. We can go down that track, but <laughs> it was a lot of juices, a lot of fruits, a lot of smoothies, a lot of veggies. And then I just filled the rest, right? Yeah. If you're driving your car brilliantly all the time, you take good care of it. Yeah, you can do a burnout once in a while. It's not going to kill you, right? And again, it just depends on what kind of leverage you have. If you're facing death in the eye, you haven't got much leverage, right? If you just, uh, you know, just maybe diagnosed with depression or you have a bit of arthritis, you know, that's where I'd be moving to really get rid of symptomology. Let your body do what it has to do. And I don't know how I can go even deeper than this and talk about how it works if, but this is a, you know, a bit of a deeper combo. In terms of? Well, like if you had arthritis, how are you, you, know, you can get rid of it within six weeks. There's no doubt. There's no question. Unless you maybe had it for like 30, 40 years and you've been doused with antibiotics and, and drugs and this and that. Okay, you might have a bit longer, six to 12 months, but who cares, right? Spend yep. six to 12 months repairing your body, just like you'd send it to the mechanics and then off you go and drive it. But yeah, I mean, any, any really acutely freshly diagnosed, and I say freshly diagnosed because if you go down the medicinal route, you're looking at your immunosuppressants, you're looking at you know, in depression, your SSRIs that fuck your neurochemistry and you'll be able to regulate serotonin and a lot of these things. So if you are freshly diagnosed, there's no reason within six to 12 months, if you went focused hardcore, that you couldn't relieve 90, if not 100% of your symptoms, you know, and just again, That's what awesome. you have done to your body, undo it, right? Cause yep. and effect. So. That's cool, man. Cool. So I guess the... One of the other ones that you you spoke about or you mentioned, like pre-recording, was music. Mm-hmm. How did that play a role in your recovery or your yeah, your I bounce back? I would say re- both recovery, but more importantly, I think the during okay. the the demise of my health and the decay of health. Um, Again, when you have all that time, you don't want to be sitting in silence. Um, there's only so many cat videos on YouTube you can watch. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't watching you. I was doing a lot of the educational stuff. But at some point, you have to zone out. 
right? And that's through, you can do guided meditation, you can do solo meditation, but I think music was a type of meditation that allowed my body is what I would say now, my parasympathetic nervous system, also known as your rest and digest state, mm -hmm. that state where it's like, you know, ah, it's calming, you know, I'm suffering from so much pain, my body's, you know, just burning from the inside with acids and toxic crap and you name it, that music was really the um, gatekeeper to just finding some peace throughout the day. And I think it stimulates a lot of emotion. There's no question about that. I mean, there's so much literature on just how it can even improve sports performance and that music does just brilliant things. And I think we can all appreciate that. And I think all listeners um, listening to this, you know, they're going to have that favorite song, that one that just kind of turns them off, so to speak. doesn't matter how bad their financial status is or how bad their health is or how bad their relationship is. There's like a band or a song or something that can pull you back into kind of a meditative state. So above and beyond for me were, were just, you know, three artists, Tony, Jono and, and um, Pavo, these um, guys from the UK. You know, above and beyond a pretty old um, a band and the EDM artists, uh, the electronic dance music for those that don't know what EDM is. <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of doof doof. There was a lot of partying and raving and stereosonic and yeah. <laughs> back in the day, future music and all these festivals. And the brilliant thing about these guys, and I just did a post the other day, is you know they're artists in their own right. They're all musicians. They do a brilliant acoustic um, performances. Um, yet here they do. They share such a wonderful message of peace, love, integrity, and, and just connectedness. Awesome. Um, and they host their yearly above and beyond group therapy, or ABGT, once a year all around the world. Um, so I'm off to China next week to or off to Hong Kong to see them play and it's cool man it's just yeah they, they have such a special place in my heart and I think that the message and the lyrics are a real important part yeah if you're using message while uh, music while you're healing I think I, I wrote about this the other day too is that if you're having someone screaming at you talking about killing talking about fucking over other people yeah, then fucking bitches yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not that's not going to put you in the right mindset sure. like Whereas on the other hand, you're talking about consciousness and love yeah. and connectedness. Yeah, peace. Obviously, you, yeah. you're only going to vibrate at that same frequency. Absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a shadow of a doubt. And, um, you know, everyone's got their thing. And, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're out there and you are struggling a bit, you know, music is a great modality. I mean, I can go through all the modalities that I really use, but I think music is a, is a really killer one. That's awesome. Yeah, That's sure. something I never would have thought that you would have used, especially going through something like that yeah. and being in such isolation yeah i mean you use anything and everything you can get right so it's cool that it turned out to be such a, a positive impact i think yeah nice okay so you talked about um your parasympathetic that rest and digest and yeah. i guess just stepping away from the the fight or flight and just dumping all those those stress or hormones 100 yeah, percent um you spoke to me about meditation before and you brought it up a, a few times throughout the interview so far when did you come across meditation? When did you start implementing that? Yeah, good question. Um, again, I think the, the word meditation is um, so contextual, right? What are we talking about? Are we talking about a way to do out-of-body travel? Are we doing a way to kind of rest and relax? Are we talking a way to observe nature? It could be anything, right? Everyone has their own meaning. I think I first discovered my meaning through breath work, through the Wim Hof Method. Yep. And that was the first time... And I think that's why I... I brought it back to the parasympathetic and maybe activating that vagus nerve yeah yeah 100% up the right are you totally correct with that because that was the first time no, no, no one even really knows when they're they can say I'm stressed but until you have a reference point this is the great thing we live in, in dualistic worlds right yep. up down left right skinny fat rich poor we, we live in dualistic worlds so we have to have a spectrum and polarities to understand where we sit 
So if you're stressed, but you don't know what relaxing is or deep relaxation, how can you know where you truly sit? And that's why it may lead you to the interest of studying meditation because it can take you to those places. And like I was saying, the Wim Hof method and breath work. So I was doing a combination of cold immersion, you know, started with 10 seconds of a cold shower, you know, and then working towards two, three, four minutes and then eventually ice baths for upwards of 10 to 12 minutes, right? So we went balls deep. Yeah, my, my partner, we went balls deep with it. Um, I took it really, really deep. I was eventually doing breath holds for eight, eight minutes. Um, Damn. Yeah. And, and it takes you to a place of empty nothingness stillness right there is no you this coming we come back to a bit of ego death too because you can go to a space several times a day or as often as you want where you're in this place of nothingness it's a lot of peace stillness um you know i've had a lot of people do it and if i ask them the one word to describe it what would it be and every single time it's peace right so if someone's struggling and they feel like they're in this world of chaos breath work breath work breath work because even you can do breath work with depression Anyone out there that has depression right now, right? You have your warm shower tomorrow morning, crank it cold for 30 seconds, right? God forbid if it's too cold, crank it back a little bit. You don't want to be hyperventilating, but you want to do it controllably. Get down, lie down, sit down, maybe whatever, just kind of comfortable space where you feel comfortable. Do 30, 40, 50 power breaths, right? You can you can look up the Wim Hof Method for anyone that doesn't know about it. Yeah. And they can do that program as a 12-week program, or you can just find free resources. And man, the breath and the cold are super powerful. We can talk about the science of, you know, it stimulates the adrenalines therapeutically and all these catecholamines and feel-good hormones, the oxygenation of the body, it upregulates the vagal, uh, the vagus nerve, things like that. So there's a lot of literature to support it, but end of the day, it fucking works. Yeah. And um, not many people need to know that. It's, it's, that's for most people. Don't tell me how it works. If it works, just tell me what to do. So I'd, I'd highly recommend that. And again, kind of coming back to how I discovered meditation, it was definitely, I think, through breathwork and cold immersion. Because it's just meditation to me is a state of being. Yeah. It's not sitting in the lotus position and tantering hum. You know, that's not what meditation is for me. Even though it's probably something I might do later on. Right. I might <laughs> go to the the Buddhist hills and then do some tantric meditation or you know do some om chanting, whatever it might be. But yeah, to really answer your question, I think I discovered it first when I was about, I'd say probably eighteen, nineteen, just before wow. I had it. Yeah. That's about, well, I think that's when Wim first got popularized. Might have yep. been a bit later than that, but yeah, um, that's what first got me into it's it. It's powerful, man. Yeah. And for me, going, because Wim Hof, like the cold shower, and then doing the Wim Hof breathing, the, the cycles of in and out, and then holding your breath on the out, and then sucking in, and then holding your breath on that yep. one as well. Yeah. I think the cold shower has really taught me how to overcome my mind yeah. when it starts racing. Because yeah. obviously, when you turn that, that shower on cold... <laughs> You're like, holy, Fuck, it's cold. holy shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to get out of here. But when yeah. you can convince yourself to persevere through that struggle, yeah, you actually, I guess you teach your brain, teach the neurons to fire in a way where they're looking for the positive. Like, mm. okay, this is cold, but this is what I'm going to get out of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that relates back to like everyday life. As it, it teaches you how to deal with stresses. Big time. There's there's a, a quote that I live by. I don't even know who wrote it. It might have been me, me that I thought it up one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if you were walking down to Cottesloe, or any beach, if you're listening anywhere in the world, if you were ended on a beach and you saw someone racing along up and down the beach trying to stop the waves, you'd think they're a fucking idiot, right? So I say, it's never about stopping the waves. It's learning how to surf. And strength through adversity, right? You don't go to the gym to have a great time to grow muscle. You have to push yourself and you have to experience pain and discomfort. You have a certain comfort zone that you have to push yourself beyond. 
That's how we achieve strength. When you hear the word courage, it's not about being this brute strong alpha. It's about being able to face those things, face those stresses, face those challenges, face those with other, uh, whatever problem it is, with that strength, with that perseverance, with that discipline. And that's how you grow in life. That is the human experience. If it were easy, we'd all be happy, mellow little fucking chipmunks, right? That's not how life works. But, you know, you've seen the decay now through these horrible things that we have in life now, right? Excess porn and gambling and drinking and this. And, like, these are the things that weigh us down. And it's until we apply the discipline to break that cycle, the discipline to change a habit, the discipline to, you know what? I'm fucking sick and tired of the way I feel about life. And I know there's better out there. I'm going to start chasing it no matter what. You don't have to be perfect because I think people think success is linear, which it is absolutely not. It yep. should look like a fucking stock market. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, right? Several times over, round and around and around. As long as you're heading in the, in the right direction, your body will reward you. It will reward you for therapeutic pain, like the gym, like the, the whatever it might be. And it will reward you just for the general sense of you're trying to do something to better your life. And we're all trying to ascend. We're all trying to be better at something. So, That's cool, man. I guess a couple other things, but the one I really wanted to touch on that you brought up pre-recording as well was plant medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a quick run Give through of fun, what you've used, how it's impacted you. Yeah, so fucking Joe Rogan, man. <laughs> what about Aubrey Marcus? Do you listen to him? Yeah, I do more recently than the not. And there were a couple of videos, but um, you know what? There's just so many people out there now. How many? Yeah. Who do you follow? Right. Take your pick. Take your flavor. There's plenty of them. Joe was definitely um, the instigator. Um, arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> and it all kind of started, actually. I was in high school, so I was 17. I had a curious mind. You know, teachers hated me. I always started asking questions. And I came across the, you know, well-known documentary Zeitgeist, which kind of, yep. you know, they opened the floodgates and, oh my God, you I mean, life's not the way it's supposed to be and my government doesn't care about me and, oh my God. And then it was like almost in, I think, the same week or the week after I saw there's like a 10-minute video of, it's like a famous video of Joe Rogan talking about DMT. It's dimethyltryptamine. What the fuck is this, right? The most is that like, from the documentary Spirit? Movie? No, it's not, but it's just literally on you. It's like a 10-minute oh, okay. video. It's like a black screen. It's got the chemical structure of DMT on it. He's just talking about DMT. So dimethyltryptamine, it's the most potent psychedelic in the world. It's produced, we know it's produced naturally in your pineal gland. Um, and it's a heavy psychedelic and it takes you to a place that is not earth. <laughs> right? <laughs> we can always, we can almost argue, I mean, a lot of neuroscience doesn't even know still why we dream, but we know that we know essentially we're releasing DMT and pondering. As far as I, my research goes, I could be wrong on this, but you basically trip balls every single night when you're asleep, if you're dreaming. And but that's why I think, um, I think they've related sleep paralysis to, to that as well. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't doubt you know, it's maybe not re-regulated or something, um, or it's not regulated correctly or something. But yeah, you know, you basically have a DMT trip every single night, so there's nothing to be a fear of it. It's just that you're unconscious, so you feel like you're in a dream world, right? You're like, oh, I had a dream, right? That's a DMT trip. So when you smoke this or however you ingest it um, orally or through, well, orally is ayahuasca, a bit of a different experience, but if you smoke the DMT crystal, you know, you don't leave your body um, kind of, uh, metaphorically I mean you literally leave your body I don't know if you smoked DMT before but yes I have yeah. okay. How many, <laughs> many times no no. So just the once that wasn't yeah. enough for you okay. <laughs> so you know, I've probably smoked DMT probably you know I would say maybe eight to ten times it's not one of those things that you know has a, an addiction um, uh, what's the word tendency towards if anything it's actually total opposite they actually yeah. have great success getting um, smokers and drinkers off these substances because they they are the harmful ones they are the lower forms of of addictions, they bring you the consciousness level down. They do not open it up, right? The DMT, it's the total opposite. It'll catapult you into a world and a dimension that you cannot even describe. I mean, it's like, I'd tell people, it's like trying to explain the color blue to a blind person from birth. How would you articulate the color blue? Good luck, right? So you can only use so many words to uh, describe a DMT trip, as I'm sure you know. Um, 
I don't obviously condone the use of drugs, but if it's something you're interested ever in, I can't say people aren't going to do it. So it's always a case of do your research, please be safe, um, because at the end of the day, there are people that are going to do it. Um, and I would, I would not endorse it, but my experiences were fantastic. You know, they were life-changing. They opened up the realms of spirituality and seeing beyond the human experience and realizing mm-hmm. that there's so much more to life than the human experience, which sounds almost ironic and nihilist. It's like, well, then why be human? There's all these other greater things. But it's like, no, because there are those things, you want to enjoy this time as much as humanly possible. Yeah, well, right. we do have, we are lucky enough to live in this meat suit and yeah. to, you know, feel and touch and taste Definitely. to hear. Definitely. So we might as well make the most of it because when we leave this body, my belief anyway, yeah. is that we are just, energy yeah. we just become Pure energy floating through the ether yeah definitely I'd, I'd completely agree with that and you know most people tend to arrive on the same conclusion because you know i love that you said like your belief and th- there is definitely a global emergence of, of consciousness spirituality and connectedness and mm-hmm. i think that you know the internet is obviously a great tool yes. it's like if you wanted to contact someone in china you know even 100 years ago even 50 years ago fucking good luck right so we have access to information and connectedness all at once now at the you know touch of a fingertip and it's definitely growing i think this awareness of spirituality and i think plant medicine is just purely a stepping stone to it you can arrive in these states naturally you can do breath work to induce a dmt trip and i've had a couple of friends that have done it and if anything they tell it's more powerful than the way you smoke it so it's not like these are exclusive experiences just to taking this drug quote unquote um which is kind of a bit of a bummer for me because i would like to, i always tend to like to do things from the ground up yeah um but you know so be it who fucking cares i got to experience it and um yeah it definitely opens your eyes to what else is out there um i think also the beauty of of just what even the fuck in this world is i mean this cosmic sea of planets and galaxies and everything like what the fuck is consciousness what the fuck are we like why yeah. are we here talking to this microphone talking to people right right but you this is what you make of life and it feels good to do good things it feels bad to do bad things you obviously want to do more good than bad and we're still per- imperfect as humans, so we're going to fuck up. And I think, you know, kind of summarizing all of this without kind of going on a bigger tangent is plant medicine um, definitely kills the ego, which is great. There's a lot of ego dissolving. Yeah. <laughs> you can see on your face there. <laughs> and sometimes you need the lesson a couple of times. Sometimes it's not a one-hit wonder. But, um, you know, for me, the, the DMT thing was, was usually just a once-a-year reset. It was yep. a great way to pull back and audit myself through plant medicine. Um, you know, I've done LSD probably a handful of times. I think acid is, is a great drug when done again correctly. It's like you can yeah. have two beers and have a great time. Or you can have 30 beers and end up fucking wasted. You're going to have a bad experience, right? So dose is important. Your mindset going into it, your intention. If you just break up your girlfriend, DMT is probably not a good idea to do, right? Yes. <laughs> Use your fucking brains, people. So you set and setting, of course, your mindset going into it and the environmental setting. You know, don't do it at a doof, uh, doof, doof or, you know, some fucking alleyway. You want to do it in a great setting. And also, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, um, they've been just an amazing, amazing tool. Um, very, very connected during both the acid and, and mushroom experiences. I mean, the DM, all of them. You feel yep. connectedness to the oneness, to the consciousness, to the universe. And you realize pretty soon that, again, your ego is just a label. It's just an identity and it's just a story that you kind of paint. And I think the more you try to attach yourself to that with control, that's when you start to find a lot of the anxieties and depressions because you want to control everything. You're a fucking control freak. You can't understand why this is happening and you re- don't realize that there's a bigger picture. Yep. Sometimes just pulling back, taking a big depth breath, having a fucking cold shower is just sometimes all you need. I've literally had clients that have been on SSRIs, which are antidepressants, 
10 plus years. One lady even recently was 20 plus years. Within like three days, just through some simple modality, she said, I just fucking chucked him in the bin. She goes, she just woke the fuck up. She just realized, what am I doing? Oh my God. And it was a big slap in the face. And I'm not saying everyone needs to go chuck their antidepressants in the yeah, bin. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is sometimes you're sitting there and we like to think, our ego likes to think that we're special. We like to think that my depression and my cancer and my this is somehow special. It's not. These are laws of chemistry and laws of physics. You are run by laws of nature and laws of the universe. And as long as you surrender to them and accept them and play these rules at this level, you're going to have a much better time. <laughs> For sure. It's awesome. Bro. Yeah. Um, don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, really quickly, like, yeah. I just want to touch on DMT. Do you have, can you tell us of an experience and yeah. I guess what lesson you took from that experience or what lesson you took from that trip? Yeah, definitely. Um, can I do three? Go for it. First one, always, because it's like your first route. Now, for some people, it's a pretty terrible experience. <laughs> yeah, God, Jesus. <laughs> now, look, I, I paint that. That wasn't good of, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of paint that. Not the, the, the whole experience of actually doing it, because it could be terrible for some people, but just the fact that it's a first experience. For, for, uh, I know, having, that was a terrible example, but having sex can be, as I said, run terribly. And you know what? Your first DMT trip could be terrible. Because like I said, you could be decided to do it while you're drunk. You could have just had a breakup. You could have just lost your business and I'm, oh, I'm going to do DMT. could be terrible. But my first experience was the one that did really wake me the fuck up because there was only those videos from Joe and Zykas and all these things of like, you know, the floodgates were open and then DMT was like the fucking nitrous booster off to the universe. Like, Holy shit. So there was a massive expansion of knowledge. That's what I think I took away of just uh, the realm of what there is. The second thing was, of course, I think the ego death and humbleness. And it's not like when you do it once that your ego never returns. I think there is just a level of ego crushing that then you can kind of play with within your life, right? And that's why sometimes you need a good kick in the ass once a year, right? Um, so that would be the first time. The second time was with um, my absolute best friend, Aaron. If you're out there, Aaron, hello, I love you. Um, <laughs> and I'd done the three tokes. You know, um, Terence McKenna, big advocate of, you know, you need to not just toke once. If you want to break through, you need to toke, exhale, toke again, exhale. Oh my God, I'm tripping balls. And then it's like that third toke, keep toking, keep toking, pull, 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 pull. Ah. <sighs> release right and I, that's when I broke through so that was about my, th my third or fourth DMT experience and um, man I just I broke through to this sounds so terrible because it's like I don't condone religion at all but I like literally went to heaven right I went to the oneness the source the energy the universe the godlands whatever you want to call it uh, so many people out there being like this kid just tripped balls that's all he did <laughs> <laughs> look there's a reason these, these things are here but anyway that was my, my second and most profound experience was breaking through breaking through to that place of just peaceness and oneness and what I brought back from that again was just kind of the humble nature of being human not thinking that you're better than anyone else you know I came out of that thinking you know what I'd shake the hand of a homeless person the same way I would Barack Obama right anyone right I'd probably shake the hand of a homeless person better than I would fucking Trump so <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely a more connectedness to the planet and to the people to the 7 billion and growing 8 billion whatever we are now fuck we would have to start having babies don't we <laughs> <laughs> But China's onto it, man. China, that's it, man. So that was the second experience. And then my third, uh, not my, my second and third, but just in three examples I'm giving to you. The others were very profound and more reinforcing. But the third, I think most profound was actually when I was sick and I had done TOAD, which is the 5-methoxy-DM2. So that's the dimethyltryptamine for anyone listening that's taken off the uh, back of a poisonous frog in Mexico. Believe it or not, weirdly enough, I know, right? <laughs> Smoking a fucking frog's toxic crap. <laughs> no it's not that bad I promise and that was the real true ego spiritual death that took me to like a um, 
like like the second one when I broke through took me to a place or a feeling or I guess more or less a room and then the third the tobe was more or less true spiritual and ego death and um, so they all had yeah those three examples all had those profound things and to really kind of sum up and soak around all of this TMT talk is that with a lot of psychedelics and a lot of plant medicines because they are tryptamine strong which make your serotonins and make you know, regulate mood they, they bring you back a sense of humbleness. They can recalibrate brain chemistry to make you see things from a different perspective, which is hugely important. You know, we don't realize that our eyes are open, but it's, you know, what lens are you wearing? So I would definitely say a perspective shift, a level of humbleness, a level of ego death, and just, I think, an overall sense of connectedness. Yeah, and the reason why I ask you about your DMT trip is because when I did mine, it was at camp while I was doing four-in-one, but we had to barricade ourselves in the toilet and then nice. throw, a, throw a towel on the ground <laughs> so it didn't get to the smoke detector. Set and setting, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just three dudes on bathroom. <laughs> there you go. But um, That's awesome. Yeah, with my one, it was when I broke through, I was staring something in the face, something orange in the face, and it was looking me in the eyes, and I was fucking so scared, like scared <laughs> out of my mind, and I just wanted to get out of there yeah. as fast as I could. Yeah. What have I got myself but, into? Yeah, but the two guys that I'd smoked it with were in that room with me. Yeah. And the whole time I was looking at this face, I was thinking, holy shit, I need to tell them I'm not tripping. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize that I was tripping, even yeah. though I was scared and I was looking something in the face. Of but course. I kept telling myself, man, you got to be honest and tell them you're not tripping. Mm. And I think what, what I've taken away from that when I finally come Came back, back. Yep. is that I've manipulated the way people have seen me my entire life. Yeah, right. You know, like, habitual liar yeah and i think having that point where i'm like god damn it bro you gotta like fucking be honest and mm. tell them you're not tripping even though you fucking are yeah that was my breakthrough moment when i was like Beautiful. man you gotta start trying to at least be a man of your word yeah. and tell the truth so like a real kick of authenticity yeah and, you know sledding the shields down a bit yeah i yeah. think as men like you said they should, you know kind of continue that's beautiful by the way uh, i think that's something i probably missed is like i had those lessons but i think a lot of the time with the DMTs, psilocybins, even your acids, they can show you things you need to know. Yep. Some people struggle with self-identification. Some people struggle with insecurities. Some people are habitualized, right? We all are imperfect. No one's fucking perfect. And this is where the judgment has to stop. And I think psychedelics really do that. They can show you so many things that you need to know, which you want, which you need to hear and see yes. in order to change your life. And then it's up to you. That's the onus. It's up to you then. You know, so yeah, that's cool. It's man. just it's ready. Enough. It's just whether or not you're ready, ready, listening, and want to for sure. And the lessons will just continue to happen until you're oh, ready to yeah. accept it. Fuck yeah, <laughs> big time. Oh, okay, good tangent. Yeah, um, I guess the last one you spoke about was having the support, like yeah. while you're going through this. I, I can't even end this without making some thank yous. So. Yeah. yeah, go for it. <sighs> Look, where do I start? Um, naturally friends and family right you know my family dropped everything for me um you would expect them to do but th there isn't an expectation there isn't there really isn't because yeah. they are living their life and it just goes to show the power of family love sometimes when these things can happen because you could even be a in a drug torn family or a very abusive family when these things come up you realize what's important this pulls again back from your ego to realize what's important and it's you know the bloodline um, you know, just giving your best and giving your own, giving your love. So, you know, family first and foremost, thank you guys. Um, you're amazing and I wouldn't be here without you. Number two are definitely the friends, the support. And that's everyone from, you know, best friends to even just strangers that I might have had an experience with seven years ago. 
Uh, and I did this post on Facebook yesterday about like, oh, it's a, it was like a viral thing going around. I was like, um, you know, what's your favorite memory of us, even if we barely talk, right? And I had people bring up these memories. I'm like, fuck, like, you know, I remember that time, I remember that time. And, you know, life is made of small moments like that. That's, but it's an above and beyond song, by the way. Small moments. <laughs> and it was just cool to um, have so much outreach and support, which brought a smile to my face. It brought that positive love and energy through a fucking phone screen, right? And it does transfer, right? Laws of the universe. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. Exactly. And there was just, it felt like, because a lot of the support was, Mitch, this one time I had this problem in the gym and you helped me, or this one time I was depressed and you helped me, or this one time you did this. It just felt like that give take again. It was like I was receiving the you know good karma, whatever you want to call it, the, these laws of nature and these laws of the universe where I was receiving back what I felt like I'd given to the world. And it was a bit of a shock because I hadn't thought of it that way. It yeah. was only until later. So friends and family, man. And like I say, when I say friends, you know, we're all brothers and sisters. So friends near and far. Um, of course, you know, all the doctors and nurses, despite the, the um, adverse look upon the system, it's not the doctors and nurses I'm angry at. They're all beautiful people. It's the system. It's the, it's the way it's set up, the corruption, the um, reductionist viewpoint. That's what I'm against. Yeah. The doctors and nurses, let me tell you, they fucking bend over backwards. And, you know, my surgeon, Marina Wallace, and my specialist, Callum Pierce, and these beautiful, beautiful souls that were just looking after me day and night, you know, from the point where, like I say, I couldn't get out of bed unless I had a nurse drag one foot, drag the other foot, get me up, take me to the toilet, you know, let me go to the toilet, come back, put me back in bed, feed me, just, you know, the decay of, of where I was at. Just, I look, think back in even now. It's like, fuck, man. I was literally staring death in the face. And if it weren't for that team and that crew, I wouldn't be here. There's no doubt. Yeah. They are beautiful people and they are overworked and underpaid. Oh, underwork, which, underpaid, man. Yeah. If, if teachers, cops and firefighters and doctors and nurses, it's not so much the doctors, they get paid pretty well. Yeah. But <laughs> if the other people, if <laughs> they were paid, yeah, if the, especially the nurses, they are the true heroes. If they were paid the way artists were paid, my God, what a different world we live in. That's what yeah. I mean. It's just the system, right? The, the world and the human population is not identifying the problems, in my opinion, hard enough in order to self-correct. There's a lot of that. Oh, it's just the way it is. Well, no, be the change you want to see in the world. And it can start with a single person. I, like, I think we like to be we're powerless as, as one in 8 billion. And you just, you're not. We are a collective consciousness. So that'd be another big message to people, even though I'm doing my thank yous, is be the change you want to see in the world. Um, so yeah, boxes and nurses, friends, family, um, just anyone who reached out. I mean, I had to know. I was, you know, man, I had money saved and I had my life ahead of me. And then just within months, I was broken on the dole. Like, and I had so many people reach out. They did a GoFundMe, raised over 10 grand. I mean, all that money just oh. went fucking instantly to bills and, and, yep. and you know, my 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 mum had to come up, so it was like taxi rides, and she was, you know, just all these things. It just it goes, man. When you do not work in that income, I think that's why so many people live in fear. They have one source of income, they don't have insurance. That income goes, man. The bills do not stop, and so very grateful for that too. You know, I've actually started a um, a couple of new businesses, and I have a twelve month goal to repay every single person. I'll you know I'll do a global post, and if no one wants the money back, I'll give it to charity. It's one of my goals for twenty nineteen. So. Um, just thank you to, if there are listeners out there that made a donation man you are part of this collective comeback so um, deep gratitude and mad respect that's amazing bro yeah um, couple questions before we wrap up yeah, sure with everything that you've been through all the knowledge you've acquired and having implemented you know most of that knowledge yourself knowing the result it has the impact it has on life especially a life affected by physical ailment mm -hmm. um, what what would you say your mission or your purpose is now yeah um, I think it's probably the same for a lot of people I think we like to individualize ourselves and again this comes back to identity and ego of what yeah. we truly want I think the end goal is the same I look at money very differently how I used to obviously a couple of years back 
Um, let me tell you, money does not buy happiness. It can provide opportunity, which can give you spurts of happiness without a doubt. Anyone that said money doesn't buy happiness, I think they were at the other extreme end. My goal is always to earn enough through doing what I love that I can do more of what I love and not have to worry about that financial stress. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely on the way, without a doubt. Um, it's, it's helping people. You ask the same question, it's the same. It's to help people or help animals or help. We want to, you know, one of the human needs, as Tony Robbins will tell you, is to contribute to the world. And without yep. that contribution, you will feel like shit. You know, a disease can manifest. It's like that's your human spirit crying out to fucking do something, right? Give back to the world. Because that's the only true way to be of value. Yeah, without a doubt. You nailed on the head. So, you know, my purpose in life, I would say, is to help as many people as humanly possible at a comfortable pace. This is, again, the wisdom I gain. I cannot just save everyone tomorrow. There are people that don't want to be saved. So you have to do it with the wisdom and the knowledge that you can only help at a certain pace. And that can be a frustr- I can have it very frustrating for a lot of people. So, again, very grateful that I had the time to kind of get that down packed and receive those lessons and, and work through that and realize that I'm doing a day-by-day, brick-by-brick and building a mansion. And, you know, the mansion's open to everyone, anyone and everyone. I couldn't care less who you are, what your skin color is and who you are and what you've done as long as you're trying to better yourself and you can realize that you're imperfect, you've made mistakes and you're here to, to better yourself. You know, I'm open to helping. And, um, you know, I mean, I could go deeper and say, you know, build schools and do this and do this charity work. But, you know, it's all of it, man. It's just a, a collective, probably another 80 years, maybe 200 with stem cells, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that amount of time to, to really just... Uh, do my part in this collective consciousness. We like to think of 80 years as, oh my God, it's it's such a long thing. But then by the same token, we say life's so short. But if you look at kind of things on a cosmic scale, 13.8 billion years, I mean, what's 80, man? It's just, it's a flick. You just, you do what you can to keep this thing going. Because if everyone stopped having babies tomorrow, the human race would be gone in 100 years, wiped off the face of the planet. Yeah. So we keep this thing going. And yeah, my passion and purpose is just to keep emulating everything I went through and start reversing the decay of the health of the human species, without a doubt. That's really cool, man. Awesome. Super powerful too. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Um, I think you touched on the one thing you'd want to say, but if you had the opportunity to, stealing this question from Tim Ferriss, <laughs> if you had the opportunity to put a message on a billboard somewhere yep. where you know would get a lot of foot traffic, a lot of people would see it, Yeah. what would it be? Can I give you two things? Yeah, go for it. This may not be the best way to articulate it, but the first one will be to just basically say to wake up and audit yourself. I think that'd be a nice way of putting that, but to just really slow down in the hustle and bustle of life, slow down, take your foot off the accelerator and apply the brake for a second because you'll see more. You will see a lot more when you just take that. Slow things down. It's number one. We can maybe articulate that a little bit better. The second thing, and I've got to steal this, I have to admit, I'm stealing this from Dr. Armin Ra, um, his famous quote is, subjecting yourself to discipline is the surest way to lead a higher quality life. And I truly believe it. If you're sitting there and you're too comfortable with being comfortable and you're upset about being comfortable, that's the irony of it. You need to really, my diet will start Monday, right? I'll, I'll do that when I have the motivation. Dude, bullshit, it doesn't exist. I'm telling you now, it will, has not existed, it will not exist, and it, never, it will just not exist, ever. You need to do, you need to discipline, you need to just get started and do something in order to receive the motiv- motivation. That's how the brain works. We know that through neuroscience. Um, we know that's how the, the brain rewards itself through the dopamines, the dopaminergic centers of the brain. You have to do first, then you are rewarded. Motivation, you know, isolate does not exist in thin air. Yep. It's, it's earned. So I would say that, you know, thanks to Mr. Armin Ra, <laughs> I would steal that quote, subjecting yourself to self-imposed, well, you know, self-imposed discipline is definitely a 100% sure way to increase the quality of your life. That's awesome, bro. Yeah. I haven't heard that one before, but that definitely does play a role. Yeah. 
especially if you are trying to better your life. Without you can't do that without discipline. No. Because sometimes the thing you love is going to become hard. The hardest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that can be a business relationship. Like yeah, exactly. Gym. <laughs> Definitely. That's cool, man. Um, I guess to wrap up, I just want to acknowledge you for being this beacon of light for people who are not only going through something like what you went through physically, but now with all this knowledge, you know, I'm hoping that you you spread it far and wide. Like you say, you're working on it slowly, yeah. taking your time because you've learned that that's part of the wisdom that's come through this struggle and this process. But I am grateful that you did make it through and that you have learned what you've learned so you can give it to others. And it's going to be truly important and transformative for a lot of people, like the way you articulate. And again, your pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> like you're going to make a difference, bro. And Thank you, man. You know, I, really I can't wait it. to see where you go from here. Yeah. Even though you are taking it slow. Taking it slow. And it won't always be about this as well. You know, there are things I definitely want to do. I'm starting a skincare business and, you know, and that's my little way of, it's not just about saving the world, but it's definitely going to be a huge part. And um, I'm grateful to be here. Well, thank you so much. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Oh, no, no, man. <laughs> I, just, I just want that. Man, thank you so clip. much. Yeah, and no, I really, really appreciate it. Grateful to be here. And uh, yeah, for anyone out there listening, take a breath, jump in the cold shower, and uh, life's okay. You know, just got to find those answers. And um, if you're hungry enough, you'll find them. Oh, one more thing. Oh, go. If people want to get in contact with you. Well, it's probably not a good idea right now if you're posting this next week because I'm off to China for nine days. <laughs> so be on no, that's all right. Um, and then I'm off to Bali to actually do a little bit of an introspective, self, you know, transformative little nice. bit of a getaway. Uh, so I'll be back early November. Um, I'm starting two new businesses, so it's going to be really hard to, to work with me if you want to do one-to-ones, but there will be positions. Um, just hit us up on Facebook, Mitchell Vicarage, V-I-C-K-R-I-D-G-E. Um, I post a lot of content too sometimes, and it's, it's multifactorial. I'm not like a one... Uh, I'm like a one message guy like there'll be training videos there could be a podcast there could be a fucking random photo of me and a cat like there's still a lot of it, right but if you want to get in contact yeah hit us up um, on Facey and I'll see what I can do to help you out cool and I'll chuck that in the show notes yeah well. easy done yeah, even if it's just a question guys I'm more than happy to answer awesome bro thank you thanks bro appreciate it